Hey there, Davis. Hope you're ready to tackle the workday and then get ready to cut loose in Scottsdale. Looks like you've got some early clouds to deal with, but expect a high near 50 degrees. And hey, it'll cool down to around 36 overnight. Perfect weather for catching up on the latest news. Let's dive in. First up, Salesforce sees a more than 2% rise in its stock following the launch of Slack AI. This new product is designed to make navigating work threads and channels a breeze with smart features like summarization and search options. It's now available as a paid add-on for all Slack customers, aiming to save time by highlighting key topics and action items from lengthy conversations, especially handy when you need to resolve customer issues fast. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to First Light from PocketPod News. Moving on, Kansas City, Missouri was rocked by gun violence amid celebrations for the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory. One person lost their life and 21 were injured, including 11 children. The shooting unfolded downtown near Union Station as festivities came to an end. Despite a strong police presence, this incident underscores the ongoing challenge of gun violence in America. The NFL and President Biden have expressed their condolences and called for action on stricter gun control measures. Lastly, the debate heats up over where Washington's NBA and NHL teams will call home. D.C.'s Mayor Bowser criticizes Monumental Sports CEO Leonsis's push for a Northern Virginia Entertainment District and hints at legal action amidst poor team performances and regional disputes. With stakeholders firmly entrenched in their positions, finding common ground appears elusive, highlighting wider issues of regional identity and economic implications for the community involved. From AI innovations to sports rivalries and calls for social change, today's news touches on diverse yet interconnected themes shaping our world. Stay with us. We're here to provide all the insights you need to navigate these stories and more. This message is brought to you by PocketPod, revolutionizing the podcast experience with the power of generative AI. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to content that listens to you, tailored to your interests, schedule, and style preferences. With PocketPod, every episode feels like it's made just for you, transforming how you experience podcasts. Ready for a personalized listening journey? Visit PocketPod.app today to join the waitlist. Salesforce is once again making headlines with its latest innovation. Right, they've launched a new AI-focused product on Slack, aimed at revolutionizing how we navigate workplace messaging. Slack AI promises to make catching up on work threads and channels a breeze. To dive deeper into this, we're joined by PocketPod News Technology correspondent Alex Harmon. Alex, this new Slack AI seems like it could change the game for corporate communication. What can users expect from this service? Absolutely, Jonathan. With the launch of Slack AI by Salesforce, users can expect a significant boost in their workplace messaging efficiency. This AI-driven tool is designed to simplify catching up on work threads and channels, which is a common challenge in fast-paced work environments. The service's introduction marks a pivotal moment for Salesforce as it showcases their commitment to integrating artificial intelligence into practical, everyday business tools. That sounds promising. Can you break down the main features of Slack AI for us? 
Certainly, Slack AI introduces three key features aimed at enhancing productivity. Summarization for threads, summarization for channels, and a search option. By clicking or tapping the star symbol in the top right corner of their Slack window, users can quickly activate these features. They provide summarized content into concise lists highlighting key topics and action items from various conversations. This functionality was initially tested with early adopters before being rolled out as a paid add-on service for all customers. Interesting. How do these summarization features benefit users in their day-to-day -day activities? The primary benefit of these features is the elimination of the need to scroll through lengthy conversations to catch up on missed discussions. This proves especially valuable in time-sensitive situations like addressing customer issues when experts are offline. Users can choose to summarize recent conversations within specific time frames, making it easier to stay informed and make decisions quickly without wading through an overwhelming amount of information. Could you give us an example of how this might play out in a real workplace scenario? Sure, let's consider a situation outlined by Slack's vice president of product, Jackie Rocca. Imagine you're dealing with a customer issue, but the expert who can resolve it is offline. With Slack AI, instead of reading through an entire thread or channel for context, you can get a concise summary that highlights the essence of the conversation along with key action items. This allows for quicker response times and more efficient decision-making processes, even when critical personnel are unavailable. It sounds like Salesforce is really pushing the envelope with this integration of AI into workplace communication. How significant is this move for them? It's quite significant, Jonathan. Salesforce's introduction of Slack AI underscores their strategic push towards leveraging artificial intelligence to enhance productivity within workplace communication platforms like Slack. By focusing on summarization features tailored for time-sensitive scenarios, Salesforce aims to streamline information retrieval processes for users inundated with extensive work threads and channels. This innovation reflects a broader trend towards incorporating advanced technologies like AI into business operations to improve efficiency and effectiveness in managing communication workflows. Fascinating insights, as always, from PocketPod News Technology correspondent Alex Harmon. Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jonathan. Downtown Kansas City, Missouri, was supposed to be a place of celebration following the Chiefs' Super Bowl win. But what started as a joyous victory rally turned tragic. A shooting incident near Union Station left one person dead and 21 injured, with several children among those harmed. The motives behind this violence are still unclear, and the incident has reignited debates on gun control and public safety. PocketPod News international political correspondent Sarah Rogers is here to help us understand more about this devastating event and its implications. Indeed, Jonathan, the shooting in downtown Kansas City during the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory celebration is a stark reminder of the challenges America faces with gun violence. This incident left one person dead and 21 injured, including several children, a tragic outcome for what was meant to be a joyous occasion. The gunfire erupted near Union Station on February 14, 2024, amidst the celebrations. That's horrifying. Can you tell us more about the victims and their conditions? Absolutely. Among those struck by gunfire were at least 22 individuals, including 11 children as young as six years old. One of the victims tragically lost their life was identified as Lisa Lopez, 
a local DJ from radio station KKFI. Fifteen of those injured suffered life-threatening wounds. The range of ages and backgrounds of these victims underscores the indiscriminate nature of such violence. With such a tragedy unfolding at a public event, how have authorities responded? Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves reported that three individuals were detained for investigation related to this shooting. Mayor Quentin Lucas highlighted the inherent challenges in ensuring complete security at public gatherings due to the widespread availability of firearms in the country. Their comments reflect broader concerns over how to protect citizens in spaces meant for communal joy and celebration against the backdrop of escalating gun violence. This must have had a significant impact on the community and those present at the event. Indeed, it did. The incident caused immediate panic among attendees. Many sought shelter upon hearing gunfire. Notably present were Missouri Governor Mike Parson and Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, who remained unharmed but deeply affected by the events unfolding at an event celebrating shared community achievements. Beyond physical injuries, there's considerable psychological trauma experienced by those present a lasting impact that extends far into this community's fabric. In light of this tragedy, has there been any renewed push for gun control measures? Yes, there has been a notable response from political leaders regarding gun control measures following this incident. President Joe Biden reiterated his call for tougher gun control laws as part of addressing this pervasive issue effectively, to prevent future tragedies like this one from occurring again, highlighting an ongoing national debate around firearms regulation amidst recurring incidents of mass shootings. And I understand there are historical references connected to this date and location that add another layer to this tragedy? That's correct, Jonathan. The shooting took place on an anniversary linked with historic events like a shootout at Union Station in 1933 and also coinciding with another grim anniversary, the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida six years prior, underscoring how such incidents fit into broader patterns of violence throughout American history. It's clear this tragic event during Kansas City's victory celebration brings forth many discussions on gun violence and safety in public spaces across America. It indeed does, Jonathan. It brings into sharp focus ongoing challenges related to public safety amidst escalating instances of mass shootings across America, with calls for comprehensive measures to address firearm-related incidents more effectively than ever before. That was PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. The future home of Washington's NBA and NHL teams is up in the air, and it's turning into quite the drama in the Capitol. Absolutely. From D.C. Mayor Muriel E. Bowser to Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and not forgetting monumental sports and entertainment CEO Ted Leonsis, it seems everyone has a stake in this. The discussions have been anything but smooth with public spats and conflicting visions for the team's futures. And it's not just about sports. It's about economy, regional identity and politics, too. With the teams potentially moving from downtown Washington to northern Virginia, there are big concerns over economic impacts and what this means for the area's vibrancy. 
With all these moving parts, we've got PocketPod sports reporter Dustin Sherman on the line to help us unpack this story. Dustin, there's a lot of tension here between wanting to keep these teams in their current home versus exploring new horizons in Northern Virginia. Where do things stand? Steve, you're right. The situation is indeed filled with tension and complexity. At the heart of it all is a deep-seated conflict over the future home of Washington's NBA and NHL teams with significant implications for the city and its sports culture. D.C. Mayor Muriel E. Bowser has taken a notably reactive stance to Monumental Sports and Entertainment CEO Ted Leonsis's plans to potentially move these teams to Northern Virginia. Her approach, characterized by public confrontations rather than negotiations, might be driving a wedge even further between the city and the teams. That sounds quite contentious, Dustin. Can you dive a bit deeper into Mayor Bowser's position on this issue? Absolutely, Steve. Uh, Mayor Bowser uh, appears to have been caught off guard by Leonce's interest in relocating the teams. Her administration's response has been to dig in heels publicly, which might be seen as alienating uh, rather than persuasive. There's a sense that instead of fostering dialogue aimed at keeping the teams in downtown Washington, a key economic and cultural hub, her actions may inadvertently push them away. And what about Ted Leonsis? He seems to have a grand vision for these teams outside of D.C. That's correct. Leonsis envisions creating a new entertainment district in northern Virginia that could serve as a regional super city stretching from Baltimore to Washington. This ambitious plan has sparked significant controversy, primarily because of concerns about its impact on downtown Washington's vitality and economic health. Leonsis articulated this vision in an open letter to fans, emphasizing his commitment to regional growth, but also igniting debate over the future landscape of professional sports in the area. It sounds like there are broader political dynamics at play here, too, especially with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and State Senator L. Louise Lucas getting involved. Indeed, Steve, the political arena has become another battleground in this dispute. Governor Youngkin and Senator Lucas have publicly sparred over their positions on relocating the teams, reflecting broader political tensions that add another layer of complexity to an already difficult negotiation process. Their back and forth exchanges underscore the acrimonious atmosphere surrounding this issue without much room for productive discussion or compromise. How is all this uncertainty impacting the Washington Wizards and Capitals? The uncertainty is definitely taking its toll, Steve. For one, under Leonsis's ownership spanning 14 seasons so far, the Wizards have missed playoffs nine times, a record that hardly inspires confidence among fans or players alike. Similarly, the Capitals are facing challenges avoiding missing playoffs for two consecutive years for the first time under their current leadership structure. This backdrop of uncertainty around their home venue only adds pressure and distraction for both teams. And if these teams were to relocate from Capital One Arena, what might be some potential effects? The potential relocation could have profound negative impacts on downtown Washington's economy, 
and its international image as well. Mayor Bowser has even pledged $500 million for upgrades at Capital One Arena after renderings of an Alexandria project surfaced, indicating serious concern about harm to a neighborhood vital for tourism if these franchises move out. Lastly, Dustin, can you touch on this idea of regional synergy versus maintaining distinct local identities? Certainly, Steve. At its core, this debate pits Leonsis's vision of creating a seamless economic conglomerate across Maryland, D.C., and Virginia against constituents who value traditional boundaries and local identities more strongly. While there are merits to fostering regional cooperation for broader economic benefits, such as increased tourism revenue, the clash with entrenched ideas about local identities among residents poses significant challenges to realizing such ambitions without causing friction or discontent. Fascinating insights as always, Dustin. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Steve. Always happy to delve into these complex issues with you. And that's First Light for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Davis. We hope you have a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.